never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Dracaris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the show that just found out there is no rule that says a dog can't play Quidditch. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. How's it going? Hey, man. Um, how was your week? Um, it was pretty good. <laughs> Nothing too substantial to talk about, but Sweet. why? How about you? <laughs> Sweet. Cool story. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, after um, I had a... Let's see. After I had a... After we recorded last week, I jumped into the weekend, and I, we had a nice long weekend because it was Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, I did my D&D class for the Park District, so I played. I basically got to play D&D for like three hours, and as soon as I ended it, I got. I basically walked out of the room, like got off the virtual session, walked out of the room, ate dinner, and hopped into a D&D game with my main group for like another five hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Sunday was a long day of DMing for me. Um, yeah, that was either that was either the best day ever, or it was just super tedious by the end of it. Well, the first because of the class, like so the the class the class that I'm teaching for the park district, they're all new people, so they're I you have to kind of coax them along as a DM. You kind of got to coax them along a little bit more, and you gotta as yeah. much as you want to be impartial, you kind of want to like you got to help a little bit more. Um, with my main group, they know what they're doing, so I basically just can run a game. The only downside to the day was I had a blast, but I was so thirsty throughout the day because I was talking for, like, the whole day. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> other than that, um, yeah, it was, and it made me, and it made me question doing, like, a marathon episode, because I actually thought about we should do that sometime, is do, like, a marathon show. And go for X amount of hours and then cut it up and oh, like that, release it. That'd be crazy. That'd be fun, though. <laughs> right, and we have like guests come on every hour. We stagger it and like just do this giant marathon thing. I think that'd be cool, but we can do it all Comic Con weekend or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to speak too soon for this year, but that could be a cool thing. Like always have the Comic Con news feed, and then we're just BSing in between, you know, different stories that drop and stuff like that. So right. Um. So before we jump in, there's a ton of Snyder Cut news to talk about because with the announcement, um, it, it's been there's been a lot of stuff floating around the internet, and a lot of it's uh, I don't know how much of it's actual rumor compared to um, how much of it's actual rumor compared to fact because uh, Zack Snyder himself is being very open about this process in ways that they've never been open before, and it's probably because. It's probably because, in a weird way, this is the first time something like this has happened, so they're just trying to be very transparent about it. So I got a lot of Snyder Cut news to discuss, um, but before we get there, why don't we talk about what we're watching, man? So what do you got? <clears throat> okay, yeah, for sure. Um, well, speed, speaking of uh, Snyder Cut and uh, DC-related things, um, 
my wife and I noticed that Smallville was back on is back on Hulu or is on Hulu or whatever. So uh, the other day we started watching it like straight from the pilot episode, and we watched a couple episodes, and I'm actually like really enjoying it because I haven't watched Smallville in such a long time. And uh, the next day I was like, so we watching some Smallville, <laughs> and she just wasn't in the mood for it. So I was like, oh man, I was. I was enjoying watching Smallville, but like, whatever. Wait a minute, so, I married this chick because she likes Superman, and now she doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so then we actually switched over to, uh, I mentioned before the new season of Riverdale's on Netflix. So uh, right now I've been trying to catch up on that. Um, I'm only a couple episodes in, and I actually forgot that I watched the first two or three episodes of season four. So I realized <laughs> I've just watched all the stuff I already did watch <laughs> and oh. so like unfortunately I don't have much to say because I think when I started watching season four I watched up until the Halloween episode and uh after that that's that's where I stopped um and so that's kind of where I am again with this rewatch right now uh the only thing I can really say is the boy is still a subplot of Riverdale the boy is in the horror movie the boy <laughs> And I find that extremely entertaining and hilarious. So we'll see how that turns out. Right. Um, well, Riverdale, I'm. I still got like. I think I got like three more episodes. Like I, when COVID started, I kind of let the DVR stack because yeah. we don't know when a lot of shows might not be coming back in the fall. You're rationing out your TV shows. Basically, I'm rationing them out because. Um, a lot of shows took a hiatus because they had episodes to film still. Yeah. And a lot of shows might not be back on time in the fall. And because I was busy with, because I had to work through COVID, um, I was kind of looking at the DVR going, a lot of these shows are going to be delayed. A lot of these shows have episodes that are going to air late. If I let them stack, um, if I let the DVR just stack up, summertime's going to hit and all the shows are going to stop anyway because it's summertime, so I have plenty of time to watch these shows, and I'm not sitting there through the summer going, what do I watch next? So um, I, <laughs> I kind of just let it stack as a just-in-case kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you run out of shows, you could always jump into the endless well of anime that's out there or something like that. But Yeah. Um, no, I, I, that's probably smart on your, on your part to, uh, you know, to ration out your shows. It's just a funny concept to me. Um Oh, there's one more thing that uh, we've been watching, and uh, so in the past I mentioned that my son loves the movie Up. Um, he's just a little bit over one years old, and uh, Up is one of the few movies that holds his attention. Yeah. And, uh, lately it's been Toy Story, actually. Like, he loves watching Toy Story, so it's been like almost like a 24-7 stream of the Toy Story movies uh, in my house, which is pretty fun, because like... The first Toy Story came out when I was in grade school. I'm not exactly sure what year, but it's kind of fun to revisit those movies, especially the first one. And uh, since it's been on so much, like there's just little tidbits uh, throughout the film that I just never noticed before. Um, one of the, one of the ones I, I noticed today is uh, there's this part when um, when Woody and Buzz are fighting at the gas station. There's this part where uh, Woody's like running towards Buzz and he yells you and it sounds like he's about to say you bastard 
but right oh, where yeah. you're supposed to say bastard, the, a truck drives by and honks twice, and I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I honestly never noticed that before. Well, so, uh, fun fact about Toy Story. Um, the pizza truck, if, um, you're not a, if you're not up on your, uh, Pixar, uh, Easter eggs, but the pizza truck that appears in Toy Story, since yeah. Toy Story was the first feature length film from Pixar, um, if you go and watch every Pixar movie, the pizza truck is in every Pixar movie. Nice. All of them. So, uh, and you can spot them in weird spots and like in Coco, it's, Coco is probably the easiest in my opinion to spot it. Um, you just have to know. I'll have to you, pay attention. Yeah, I know you just have to know when to look. But uh, yeah. Cool. Anyway, um, so that's all you've been watching. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah, that's about it for me. How about you? Um, I have been watching uh, Dead to Me, um, the new season. Oh, nice. Did you watch the first season of that show? It's. I I, I talked about it before. I've seen. <laughs> so like while my wife was watching it, I probably came in every episode or every other episode and caught I guess watched it that way so there's tons of details I know I missed out on from what I've seen I enjoy the show quite a bit though um I think it's like pretty good drama and like subtle humor and stuff like that so yeah um the show so this well this season is um this the, the the humor I feel is a little bit more subtle um, everything yeah. is very like when the humor hits, it hits hard and you laugh at it, but it, I feel like it's a little, um, more serious, uh, this time around as, um, yes. compared to the first season, but the season is fantastic. Um, so, uh, if you haven't watched dead to me, just fire it up on Netflix. It's really cool. I will say, so it's May 28th of the time of this recording. Tomorrow is May 29th, which means Space Force drops on Netflix with uh, Steve Carell. Um, I I can't wait to watch that show. That looks just awesome. So um, <laughs> nice. that, I didn't that's, realize it came out already. That's on my watch list. It's, it, it'll be tomorrow, May 29th. Um, so by the time this episode releases, we probably will have seen the entire round of the show. So. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, was that all you had, though? Yeah, yeah, pretty much for watching and reading. Okay, uh, I th- kind of a light week this I th- week. I think me, that's so. I think that's all I have. I've been actually like I was watching. I watched some Rise of the Skywalker. I've been watching Star Wars a lot <laughs> recently. <laughs> um, when do I not watch Star Wars? But I was watching Rise of the Skywalker, Rise of the Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker last night, um, and I had some interesting thoughts on it. But that's for another show because I could turn the whole podcast into that if I really wanted to. Um, <laughs> No worries. Let's uh let's hit some news. Okay, sounds good. Um, all right. Oops, I hit the wrong button. I'm pulling up the news stories. Okay, we got a lot of this is uh, Snyder Cut news, so um yes. we're gonna curb that for a moment. Um, because there's a couple that I just want to get out, and then we'll just uh jump right into Snyder Cut stuff. So the first one okay. I wanted to mention to um a labyrinth sequel is coming. I mean, that's really neat. I feel like I heard this rumored a long time ago, like, as in a couple of years ago, maybe. Well, um, but keep going. The ex- there's not much more to this, but the exciting part that I got excited for was Scott Derrickson was supposed to be directing Doctor Strange 2 and pulled out. He must have pulled out for Labyrinth because that's wh- who's directing the uh, movie. Oh, neat. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Scott Derrickson, what are some other movies that he's done? Doctor Strange 1. I know that Strange he's, like, 1. super familiar. Doctor Strange. 
Okay. He, and did, he came from. Uh, he does. I want to say he did. Oh, sorry. What? Go ahead. I'll look him up real I quick. I want to say he did one of the Conjuring movies, or like he did a couple smaller horror movies before that. Yeah. Let's see here. Um. <laughs> I didn't mean to like send you on a goose chase. I just. I think it's no, not at all. Especially with the movie like Labyrinth, that's <laughs> so imaginative. I kind of think it's interesting to see the director of that movie. Like, where does he come from? You know. So he came and, from. Uh, so he came from Doctor Strange, uh, Sinister, uh, Exorcism. Sinister. That. Exorcism of Emily Rose, Deliver Us from okay. Evil. Yeah. Nice. Uh, the and day I the think, um, Hellraiser Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there is a. It's cool that he's able to direct horror and able to direct scares because even though The Labyrinth is such a family-friendly movie or franchise, however you want to word it, I think there is some very scary and dark concepts uh, in that film. So it's kind of cool to see where he comes from and uh, where he's going, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah, so I'm excited. I just, I love Labyrinth, so I, yeah. Um, just seeing that just made me like super thrilled, I guess the best way. Yeah, of that's awesome. So, um, it makes, so the big, <clears throat> the big hard part that I think is going to be hard to do, I'm <laughs> sorry that I kind of just interrupted you. There, no, no, no. But, uh, and we've talked about this before is, is the Goblin King going to be part of it? I'm sure he is. And who is going to play him? And we don't have to go dive down a huge rabbit hole, but it's just something interesting to think about. We don't, but we're all going to be looking for the well-placed sock, whoever's playing the Goblin King. So, um, I just don't know how a sequel, cause that show. All right. So that movie, um, it wasn't predicated on it. it it's, it's in a way it's very timeless. Like, you know, it's the eighties when you're in the real world part but when you get yeah. into the actual fantasy realm of the movie, it's very uh, timeless because you don't really know when it's set. But David Bowie's costume is very time period specific. So yeah. um, I don't know how that works. Um, yeah, that's all I can tell you. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's a good call, too. I think they could update it in ways while still staying true to the original concept i feel like i have faith that they can do that but uh, i definitely know what you mean. <clears throat> yeah um okay so here we go indiana jones 5 okay um james mangold who directed logan um uh is going to be directing this movie um the logan director who has a love for the franchise will join the project with steven spielberg in a producer role so spielberg will probably be dire- uh, executive producing he stepped down from directing Indy 5, um, and James Mangold stepped in, but it's nice to know Spielberg's still attached, as opposed to him completely stepping away. Um, um, it's a, a work on the script has reportedly only just started. Uh, however, Harrison Ford has previously hinted that the story would focus on new developments in Indy's life, as well as seeing a part of the character's history resolved. So this has me wondering, um, and it's one of the reasons I pulled this story, because one, I want to see another Indiana Jones movies. Two, um, there are people who are kind of, do we really want to see an 80-year-old Indiana Jones running around? But he, there's this line here that says, new developments in Indy's life. I don't really know what new developments mean, but um, the part of the, char- the character's history resolved, that has me interested because that might be give us flashbacks 
So if we do flashbacks, are we going to do a de-aged Harrison Ford like they do with the Marvel films, and we're going to see a young Harrison Ford where they just de-age the actor? Or are we going to recast Indiana Jones to tell... So think about it this way. You do you start the movie old Indiana Jones. You have to dig into the character's past to... Um, deal with whatever he's dealing with now in the present day or whatever present or like present day would be for that character. So, so what you do is you start in the, you start in the, uh, present day, you see old Indiana Jones doing whatever he's got to reflect on his past and you get a flashback sequence, which is connected to what he's dealing with. And then you jump back and you get to see what old Indiana Jones is doing for a minute. You jump back to the past. You watch this whole segment that kind of leads you in the, so do you see what I'm saying in storytelling? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I I think that could be I think that could and this is all me. I'm this is all speculation. If this is you know just based on this information, this is how my brain would handle it. But what's really cool to me is you do something like that, and you're setting the stage for a new actor to be Indiana Jones for future installments when Harrison Ford is too old to play Indiana Jones, and then they continue Indiana Jones stories going forward. Just a yeah, thought. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Just a thought. I don't know what you think about that, but. Just a thought. I mean, it's it sounds great. It's just can they pull it off and can yep. they find the right guy? But yep. if they can do something where they find somebody who can feasibly play Indiana Jones for years and years to come, like we definitely all win in that scenario. So yep. yeah, I like uh, I like your idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Here is this is a off the wall, and you know how I always pull a science story sometimes. Yeah. Um, and this I don't. I there. There's a lot to unpack in this. I've condensed it down so you can listen to what I got to say and then we can extrapolate if you want. Otherwise, I'm going to bring more. I'm going to try and actually find more about this so we can talk about it. So we can talk about it in the future because this is wild. And after this, we'll talk Snyder Cut. Okay. Parallel universe where time is reversed reads the headline. Scientists okay. scientists in Antarctica claim they've found evidence of a parallel universe where time runs backwards. Based on the based on the direction of uncommon high energy particles rising from the earth. These high en- energy particles are supposedly only to only detectable when coming down from space and detecting them rise perpetually implies they're traveling backward in time. So, well, what's cool, though, is that if they can prove that a parallel universe exists, that's proof of the multiverse. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. So, I, this is a story that I've seen a little bit of, uh, I've seen a little bit of stuff on Twitter about it, but I never heard the actual story about, like, possibilities of a parallel universe and stuff like that, um. So I saw, like, a lot of uh, funny Twitter posts about, like, which celebrities are actually from the uh, parallel universe. So, like, they would take somebody, like, uh, at all, they'd take a celebrity who either had plastic surgery or just nobody's seen from a long time and they look way different. And then they're like, oh, this person's actually from the parallel universe, which I thought was kind of a funny concept, but it makes more sense now that I'm hearing this. Um the other thing I'm thinking of, since you're saying where, that time goes backwards in this parallel universe, is that where Merlin's from? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> that's a real good question. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know if you had any more thoughts.
thoughts on it. It's no. very interesting. My thing kind of is, that. my thing is, it's proof of the multiverse if it's real. Um, parallel, parallel universes. How do you get there? How do you access them? What can we learn from them? Um, do you know what I mean? Like. You think about all this stuff and you're like, time runs backwards? Cool. Can What can we learn from the fact that time runs backwards? Yeah, you know, definitely. I don't know. It just it caught my attention. It made it exciting. It's a really lengthy article, and I just figured I'd pare down the information and do a quick little, this is cool. Let's talk for a second, and then um, yeah, maybe, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll learn more as developments happen. And then is time travel possible if you go into the parallel universe and then come back into ours? <laughs> you know, how does that right. work? And stuff like that, like... Very interesting right. concepts to really go through and stuff that I know nothing about because I don't know physics super well, but yeah, very, very interesting. Right. Okay, ready for the Snyder Cut stuff? Yes. Okay, there's a bunch of stuff here, and I'm just going to kind of read through this and stop me if you need to chat at all. I'm going <laughs> to, there's some good, there's some good stopping points in this to discuss. So, the Justice League Snyder Cut is officially hitting HBO Max in 2021. But details surrounding the project suggest it's going to be a much larger endeavor than initially thought. So okay. we so we know that Zack Snyder stepped down from the directorial duties during Justice League post-production due to a family tragedy. But later revealed he took the drive um, he took the drive of a rough unfinished cut on it. Honestly, um, I honestly never thought I, it would be anything. He says. The fan movement, we all know, uh, released the Snyder Cut quickly began due to rumors of a, a reported longer Snyder Cut of Justice League. So several started petitions creating billboards and more using release the Snyder Cut hashtag to convince Warner Brothers to release Snyder's version of the film. We all felt cheated, didn't we? I know I did. Um, on the second anniversary of the release of Justice League... <laughs> Sorry, at certain parts I'm not sure if you're... Just talking or reading, <laughs> so that's why I was. Sorry, it's quiet. it's a it's a little bit of both. I'm just trying to re because I found this thing that kind of really recapped everything and then kind of put in okay. some new information. So, cool. on, on the second anniversary of the release of Justice League, um, the release the Snyder Cut movement has its biggest day. Some of the film stars even adding their voice and support. We reported on that too. Uh, yes. w, WB noticed and decided to reach out to Snyder to see if he'd consider completing it. Snyder, cool. Snyder estimates that about one-fourth of the content he created for Justice League ended up in Joss Whedon's edit. Mm-hmm. So that means 75% of Snyder's cut are not in the movie that we got. Yeah. Suggesting his version will be longer than the two-hour theatrical cut. Uh, last reported was that Snyder's cut is actually three hours and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um. HBO hasn't revealed if Zack Snyder's Justice League will be a four-hour director's cut of the film or if it's going to be split into six discrete chapters as part of a miniseries. Okay. Either way, I'm down. That's pretty good. Either way, I'm down. Zack Snyder is reassembling much of the original film's production crew to add new visual effects, music, and edit the project and potentially bring back actors to record additional footage. Or additional dialogue. Yes. Sources suggest these additions could cost twenty to thirty million to facilitate. So. Okay. Th- this part's awesome because. So there's a lot uh, to do with like. Uh, sorry, I don't. I didn't mean to cut. No, 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 no. Off, no. Like, I said to stop me when you did. There's only a couple more of these <laughs> yeah. slides here I got. So, so that's really cool because like, 
First of all, if they're if he's bringing on a lot of the crew to sort of refine and uh, create new special effects, maybe even expand some scenes using some CG. You know, maybe we'll get uh, some more like expanded fight scenes, action scenes. They could do a lot of set work with CG. It's kind of cool to think of how they retroactively could go into it and maybe even you know make it even more fleshed out than it ever was uh planned to be but then the part that i'm really excited about is i feel like uh snyder's gonna bring back junkie xl i believe his name is who is the guy who did so batman v superman the soundtrack was uh done by uh Hans zimmer and junkie xl yes like junkie xl is more of a like electronic industrial dj sort of composer while hans zimmer we all know and love his style but um after batman v superman i believe that hans zimmer said he was stepping away from superhero movies because he just found it to be a big stretch on his creative forces since he literally already did like the perfect batman score in the dark knight trilogy and then he had to come up with a new batman theme for batman v superman and like not only that that? not only that he did this he did the scores for the amazing spider-man films oh i thought it was oh amazing spider-man okay amazing spider-man so yeah he's he and then yeah he's probably like when he said he was tapped out i was like yeah of course you are (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um but what's cool is, like, Junkie XL did the original, uh, he was going to do the original Justice League soundtrack, and then they had uh, Danny, or Joss Whedon had Danny Elfman replace Junkie XL to do it, which is cool. Like, I love Danny Elfman, and it was really cool to hear some of those old themes with, uh, you know, these new uh, DCEU characters, but at the same time, that was one of the things that I was really missing from Justice League, is, like, I really wanted to see junkie xl's theme or his score because like i just know he is like it probably would have been like a more cutting edge sort of like score i feel like it would feel like no. a lot more now in a lot of ways for no. lack of a better term and if snyder can bring him back like i'm super excited for this right and not only what you're saying there but you're also getting you're also getting the you'll have this han zimmer batman stuff you'll have the han zimmer superman stuff the han zimmer wonder woman stuff included in that and it's yep. a it's it's part of the language that the movies create when you create a series of movies and we use that word a lot when we talk you and i talk movies and we talk visual language or audio language it it helps it makes a huge difference so where Danny Elfman's score was cool because you had elements of the Batman 89 theme or the Superman theme, it's fine, but I felt it, I honestly felt it was kind of out of place for what I was watching, to be honest. Um, and, and but then, I really like the score. So Yeah. No, I feel the exact <laughs> same way. And it's hard because like Danny Elfman is such a legendary composer that it's hard to say, like, well, I wish they didn't have Danny Elfman do it, but I feel the exact same way as uh, like you just said because um uh, not Hans Zimmer Junkie XL like he was going to continue as you said the uh audio language from the previous films and it's like it's not that I don't like Danny Elfman it's just I loved the way that music paired with the visuals so well I didn't want to get away from that you know what I mean yeah yeah um, um, but yeah, I guess you could continue on unless you have more to say about cast and crew coming back. Well, um, I'm going to have more to say about that in a moment. 
Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a moment because there's a much bigger story that gets added onto that. I, I, I think I know. I think I'm familiar with that one. But yeah. You go on. Okay. Fans should also per, uh, expect previously teased elements of the Snyder Cut, including the big bad himself, Darkseid. He appeared in this new edit with the character exploration and scene in the theatrical film. So we know Darkseid's coming back for sure. Amazing. We also know, um, reportedly, the Zack Snyder, if you remember Batman vs. Superman, you see Steppenwolf at the end of the movie. Yeah, if you've if you've seen if you've seen Batman vs Superman, especially the director's cut, you see Steppenwolf at the end of the movie, um, and then when you saw Justice League, Steppenwolf didn't look like Steppenwolf at the end of Batman yes. Superman. Yes. Steppenwolf will be restored to its original design. That is cool. Have you seen? Um, I've seen some online uh, like clips of really early um, CG for Steppenwolf in Justice League, like. Uh, I've seen this clip that's uh, the underwater battle in uh, Atlantis, um, if you remember that part of the movie, where it shows very crude, like, rough early on CG, but it's with Steppenwolf's original design. Um, have you seen anything <clears throat> like that? No, I have not. And Okay, so, so I did see that, and it was, I don't know if it was leaked, I feel like maybe somebody at one of the uh, animation studios leaked it or something like that, but right. one thing I can say is, like, the Steppenwolf we got in the, in Justice League, he looked cool, but Snyder's design, which was in this like crude uh, early on CGI clip that I saw, Snyder's design looked frightening and it looked otherworldly. And I just like see it and I'm like, oh man, like this could have been like such a striking looking villain. And I feel like we were robbed of that a little bit. Well, I feel we were robbed all around when I when I found out. When I found out how much Joss Whedon changed, and then I found out how long the Snyder Cut is, or reportedly yes. is, we got robbed. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay, here you go. The $30 million Snyder plus Snyder Cut. Uh, responding to reports, the Justice League Snyder Cut will cost between 20 to $30 million to produce because of bringing actors back in, doing a resh couple reshoots, that kind of stuff. Um HBO Max, um, HBO Max head Bob Greenblatt uh, revealed it's actually higher than that, hinting, I just say I wish it was $30 million. <laughs> um, Zach is actually building it, and it's complex, including, and I don't want to get too much into detail that we haven't already talked about yet, but new effect shots. <clears throat> yep. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and that is awesome. Uh, because we're going to get the dark side we want. We're going to get, you know what I mean? There's a lot to that. Um, yes. So, um, all right. Uh, now, the Snyder Cut has raised a lot of fingers pointed at Suicide Squad. Yes, yes, of course. Um, and these days, the DCU seems like um, it stands for Director's Cuts Eventually Uncovered. Uh, Warner Brothers' parent company, AT&T, hinting in a tweet that they'd be willing to release David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad, which would feature a more story-relevant Joker, as well as an apocalypse-driven Enchantress arc. That is so cool. That's, um, I'm pretty excited for that, because, I mean, Drew, you and I have always been fans of Suicide Squad, but I always felt like <clears throat> there was something more there, and I kind of, like, I mean, I never was sure, but I always felt like, David Ayer was always being a company man and playing nice and saying like, oh no, the version we got is the actual version, but 
I feel like I've seen on Twitter lately he's been kind of a little more open with like, no, you know, there was more to my version than any of us saw, and I'd love to actually release it and stuff like that. Yeah, the um, what's interesting about the the air cut is that we all knew about it when um, Suicide Squad released. And when it released on Blu-ray, they did release an extended cut of Suicide Squad, which I picked up. Now, that comes with the theatrical version I saw in the theater and the extended version. Um, since I've gotten it home, I only watched the extended version. And there's a couple extra scenes with Harley and the Joker, which is awesome. But apparently, that is not all the scenes that David Ayer cut. There's a whole bunch of Joker stuff that got removed from the movie. Um, and Jared Leto is, has been very vocal about not being happy about that. And then having um, Enchantress being have a better story because everyone complains that Enchantress was the worst part of the movie. And as much as I'm glad that they put the, the Enchantress in the movie, I'm going to agree that that was the worst part of the movie. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I, I guess I um, kind of took Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I kind of took her um, role in that movie kind of just as what it was. Um, I'd actually have to think a little bit more about what my least favorite part of the movie was. <laughs> but um, like I said, I enjoyed the Super or Suicide Squad, but I'm excited to see uh, David Ayer's version if we actually get it released. So, uh, yeah, yeah and well, it makes me wonder if um, we're going to be seeing a lot more of this. Um, because with, and when I say a lot more of this, I mean, the Snyder cut is getting released. If we find out there's a director's cut that hasn't been released, how is the internet going to go? Well, we got the Snyder's cut. Give us this. You know, how are fans going to be dictating how Hollywood's run is what kind of scares me just a little bit. Um, (laughs) I don't know though. Um, let's, how about this? Let's talk about this. I'll read you the news clips too, but I want to, your opinion is a big part of this right now because between the two of us you're the bigger superman fan um henry cavill is in talks to come back as superman so, now so, um, here's heard... <clears throat> What's that? here's what i'm going to tell you okay. um here's one uh let me read this and then you give me your full rundown on your thoughts on this okay henry okay. cavill is in talks to reprise his role as superman in the dc universe followed by in the same post henry cavill is going to play superman again that yes. says to me, rumor, there's a space for another sentence, and then fact. <laughs> um, so I didn't know how to take it, um, because there's another thing I have here. Um, Henry Cavill will reportedly return as Superman. Uh, Deadline notes he could come back as a couple different ways, not a standalone film, while Variety ports um, he's in talks to return as Clark Kent in an upcoming DC Comics movie. Um, he isn't expected to reprise his role as Superman in Wonder Woman 1984, The Suicide Squad, or The Batman, but it is possible he will appear in Shazam 2, Black Adam, or Aquaman 2. Okay. Um, thoughts? Because I have way more to say on this, so tell me what you think about this. This is your so, baby, I guess is the best way of wording it, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Shazam, Aquaman, or... Um... I can't remember the other one, but I feel like those ones make more sense for Superman to appear in. You know, he already, uh, quote-unquote, appeared in the first Shazam movie. Um, but, you know, and that makes a lot more sense than, especially Wonder Woman 1984. But um, I had heard, so the way you first started telling the story got me a little confused, because I actually heard it was a for-sure thing 
that Henry Cavill is coming back, which <clears throat> it sounds like it is. It I, Look, it sounds like it is, but I keep seeing he's coming back, and then I see he's in talks. And he's coming back, and he's in talks. It's flip-flopping every time I see a post. So, to me, that sounds like he's in talks, and it's real damn close. So, okay. But he's said multiple times that he's not done when the world when the internet was saying he's done so how about that <laughs> so uh, according to comic like i read a comicbook.com article and reading that article it sounded like it was a pretty sure thing like there wasn't a doubt in my mind that he was coming back but maybe it is still up in the air you know i'm not really sure you know maybe it's more of a 90 percent chance than a 99 percent chance like i thought but uh so i'm super excited i love uh man of steel and Batman v Superman are two of my favorite movies. Um, I've loved Henry Cavill's portrayal of the character all along. Um, I think when I imagine Superman in my head, I feel like Henry Cavill is like such a good, just his appearance is such a good live action version of like what I imagine that like I'm super excited. And the thing is like when you watch Man of Steel, you do get hints of. Um, even like the comic book version of Superman that we're all used to, like you do get those glimpses in there and uh, it's just a little bit more subtle than maybe the uh, old Christopher Reeves movies. But I really think that I think he can be like, I don't want to say the greatest Superman actor ever, but I think he can be so such a great portrayal of a character. And I feel like he kind of wasn't given his due because you had Man of Steel, where he was just learning, like, Man of Steel's, like, about his first day on the job, so to speak, and Batman v Superman was a lot darker, and there's a lot more um, inner struggles that Superman was dealing with and stuff like that, and I feel like if he was, unfortunately, it doesn't sound like he's being given his own proper sequel, but if he has more time to flesh out that character, I think he could just do such an amazing job. So I'm super pumped. Uh, <laughs> do you have any thoughts about it? Well, I, well, first off, I want another Superman movie. Um, I yeah. love the idea of having him being cameo. I love the idea of him being cameo. Give him his standalone movies, but make him like a Nick Fury so he can pop in and out of other movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, that'd be amazing. Um, doing that with him and Batman would probably be the coolest thing. Give them their standalones, do a team movie on occasion, but make them your, like, Nick Fury of your DC universe. I mean, that'd be sick. Um, yeah. The interesting part of this is that there's reports now that Warner Brothers and AT&T, well, because they are, like, parent company kind of situation, Warner Brothers, after seeing the Snyder Cut, is now directly trying to get Affleck to come back to play Batman. Now, we're still going to get The Batman with Robert Pattinson, and that could be a whole trilogy, but that's based on a younger Batman, so we could potentially get two Batmans. You could have the older Batman, which would follow this line of movies, and then you'd have your younger trilogy movies, like with the Robert Pattinson stuff. But if they could get it, but it's but it also sounds like, in some reports, it sounds like Affleck wants to come back now. Um, so I don't know what that means. I don't know what's going to happen this whole, this whole thing is like completely flipped everything upside down and in my opinion kind of unprecedented um, yeah I, I think you have a bunch of actors who are part of a who are part of a film that they were probably excited to see um, you know get seen you know seen by the light of day and it just never happened you know and that movie I'm talking about is the Snyder cut obviously but yes I feel like now that that's actually 
going to be released, I feel like there might be sort of a reinvigoration of the whole cast and crew. So you have people like Ben Affleck, who we never thought would ever want to come back to the role of Batman. He's actually like, I mean, we don't know anything for sure yet, but he might actually be like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll come back and do it, which is right, exactly. awesome. To well, hear. he's going to have to come back for a couple of the reshoots and maybe to shoot some ADR uh, dialogue. So it's he's going to have to come back in some level. How about and that? And then uh, one, one thing that I I can say, and, like, I don't, like, you might think of Zack Snyder one way or another as far as him as a director or a filmmaker or whatever, but I have heard um, multiple sources say that, like, the cast and crew of movies that work with Zack Snyder have nothing good, nothing but good things to say about him. Like, he sounds like an amazing person to work with, and I think that's probably kind of sh- gets shown in, like, the enthusiasm for the actors and stuff right. to come back to their roles. Yeah, 100% agree, and yep. <laughs> um, all right, man, do you want to talk our list? Oh, cool, I didn't know if there was more uh, Snyder stuff. Not, stuff well, we're going we're gonna to get more as we go, but um, I think we're going to be talking, like, we could literally just sit and talk Snyder Cut for the rest of the night, but we do have this, <laughs> right. we do have this list we have to get through, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, ready? Cool. All right, Ryan, uh, play the thing. And now for the top five. All right, so this was my pick. Um, this, I just, this was just a really cool idea I came up with, and I don't know why I didn't come up with it sooner. Um, but this is kind of like a best of the best list. Um, we may not always agree with the picture that gets chosen as the best picture of the year at the Oscars, and um, but they always end up being good movies, so it's going to be really hard for us to give our brief reviews on this without saying it's such a really good movie. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I'm probably going to try my hardest to not use that. I'm probably just going to try and talk about the movie as to why I picked them. Um, and I'm probably, and we're probably going to have real short reviews on some of these, I think, unless there's something really weird. Um, I watched, I did, and now when I made, when I went through my list and kind of made my short list and everything, so of the 93 best pictures, I've seen 56 of them. Okay, nice. Um, did, I didn't count this week, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you should have, because you, because... Uh, when we were talking, I was concerned that you hadn't, I was like, Peter might not be able to do this list because oh. of... Yeah, I know. So I could actually go into a bit of an explanation about that. Um, but like long story short, just in recent years, um, I haven't taken like award shows and stuff super seriously because to me it's kind of just a group of people saying that like these are the best movies of the year. That doesn't necessarily mean that they really are or they're the best movies for, you know, any individual person, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I can, I mean, I can go into like where that conclusion comes from, but it's probably not worth it right now. But, um, recent years, I actually noticed while putting my list together that I didn't have a lot of the movies from recent years. Like a lot of them I have kind of skipped. And, uh, uh, but then when you go back in time, you go back 10, 20, 30 years, so many of these movies I didn't even realize were best pictures, and a lot of them are just these movies that everybody has seen a million times, and you just don't don't even think of it as a best picture because it's just like an all-around good movie, if that makes sense. And yeah. like, 
when you asked me at first, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll have to check if I've seen enough of these movies. But then when I looked at the list, I'm like, well, I, without a doubt, can because I've seen so many of these films, especially when you go further back in time. Right. And that's why I, and that's why I wanted to give a count, because I'm like 93, 93 years of film in the industry, which makes 93 best pictures because they have to pick it. And um, of the 93, I've seen 56 of those movies. So yeah. what tonight is my five picks. And it honestly, I found this very difficult because there's so many movies on this list I'd like to pick. Um, I do remember finishing my yes. short list and I thought to myself, where's Shawshank Redemption? And then I had to find out what Shawshank Redemption lost to. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, because in my opinion, Shawshank Redemption very well. Re- okay, here's the thing. In my opinion, Shawshank Redemption very well me may be the greatest movie ever made, ever. Period. Um, and that's not that doesn't mean it's my personal favorite. I did you know in the world of Citizen Kane being considered the best movie, like the best movie ever. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like Shawshank Redemption very well may may be that modern Citizen Kane, and I was surprised to see that it didn't win Best Picture. And I'm like, wait a minute, what it beat? What beat it? And I know why. So, um, <laughs> fair enough. I think I've heard, um, I, I feel like I've heard Shawshank Redemption was a bit of a sleeper hit, though, too, right? Where maybe it was, it didn't get the hype it deserved, but then later on, when it came out on video, and especially when it started, uh, showing on TV services, like it actually got a ton of popularity because people kind of were like, oh, this movie's amazing, and we didn't watch it before for some reason. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, yeah, why don't, uh, do you have any honorable mentions? I have one, um, okay. I'm kind of similar to you. Well, do you want me to do my one so we can go back and forth on the back and forth since, cause I have two. Yeah, yeah, go, go for it. Um, okay, so the first one I was going to talk about was, uh, The Departed. Um, okay. this was really hard to not put on my actual five. Um, have, have you seen The Departed? I actually have not seen this one. No, dude, you really need to see it. Um, it's... I know. <laughs> it's it's awesome it's a it's a crime drama mafia thing um it's one of those so leonardo dicaprio goes undercover um uh, with the mob and um he's like deep cover like trying not to blow his cover and everything and um it's it's really great it's him and jack nicholson uh mark Wahlberg's in it the near like it's it's really great um so yeah you definitely need to see it um but that's i just i don't want to talk too much on it because it's an honorable mention but yeah. So, what's your one honorable mention, man? <laughs> right on. Um, so the one I picked, and I was gonna say I only picked one because um, I actually had a hard time. Like, there were so many movies that could tie for like a second honorable mention spot. That's why I only was able to pick one. But the one I went <clears> with <throat> is No Country for Old Men. Oh. Um, and the reason I went with this movie is I feel like this movie is a really compelling story. Um, and it's very bleak, um, and it's very frightening at moments. And uh, I think when I saw this movie, I was pretty impressed. Um, and one of the biggest things I was impressed about is the um, soundtrack or film score, because it's very minimalist. Um, the first time I saw it, I actually thought there was no music at all in the movie. And uh, if you go back, and when I went back and rewatched it, I realized, like, no, there is, <laughs> there is like, some music and sound effects and things they do in the background but it's so minimal and i think i was just so impressed with you watch a movie that has such such a minimal score to it and they're still able to 
make such an intense, compelling story. I just thought it was extremely admirable, admirable from you know that standpoint. You know, um, otherwise, I mean, it's great acting, great cinematography. So, yeah, um, no, it's a that's a really good movie. Um, yeah. So my next honorable mention, uh, my second one, and this is uh, probably going to raise some eyebrows to some of our listeners, um, is Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. <laughs> Why is it going to really raise eyebrows? Um, because I just think that, like, oh, Drew likes, you know, he likes Star Wars and Batman and Dungeons and Dragons and all this stuff, and that movie didn't rank higher on his list kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it just, it's an honorable mention. It didn't make the cut. What did? You know, so. Okay, um, cool. Was there anything <clears throat> specific you wanted to mention about it? or? Well, I was just... When I when I wrote it down, it just the thing with uh, Lord of the Rings is that I feel like it was each movie. So all three, Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King, were all nominated for Best Picture. And when Fellowship didn't win Best Picture, I realized in that instance because I really wanted it to win, and I was like, oh, it didn't win Best Picture. And then I was like, oh, you know why it's not going to win Best Picture? Because it's going to win Best Picture when Return of the King releases. They're going to let the trilogy finish, and then they're going to praise it. Um, because, and I just had a feeling that's what was going to happen. And basically that year they swept the Oscars. Um, the thing about, uh, Return of the King is, is that it's a very important movie, um, in terms of this because, uh, Lord of the Rings is a sci-fi fantasy film and very rarely do sci-fi fantasy movies get nominated. Uh And then if you look at the, if you look at the list of what got actual best picture awards there's hardly any sci-fi fantasy winners so it's just it's a very important film on the list um but my list is what it is that's i just when i have reasons so (laughs) that way i mean you're you're not saying that you don't like lord of the rings yeah no i love i love lord of the rings this is it's awesome the movie the movie's phenomenal. It's just weird that it didn't make my cut, and I guess it bothers me. So, like, it, it kind of bothers me that it didn't make the cut, but I just really like the movies that are on my list. So, <laughs> anyway. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so go ahead, man. Okay, so my first actual pick. Are these ordered, by the way? Uh, just... No, they're not. I just, uh, this okay. wasn't meant to be a ranked one, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so my first uh, actual pick I wanted to mention is uh, Forrest Gump. Um and this is a very, I mean, uh, this is going to be hard because, like you said, this is a very good movie. <laughs> but this is a very um, awesome and very intricate movie in a lot of different ways. Um, and this one I kind of just had to include because, see, when I first saw this movie, I feel like I was eight, maybe nine years old. Like, I was very young. And it was a really cool story to see, but I personally couldn't relate to so much of the movie because... So much of it, besides being, like, you know, in completely different time periods than, like, anything I knew about, it also, like, had a lot of just really adult concepts that I, like, again, I had no experience with, I didn't know anything about, and so this one's been a really cool movie, too. Like I said, I watched it as a kid, I grew up with this movie, but then every time I watch this movie, I see something new, and every time I notice something new, and or learn something new and like as an adult you go back and you watch it and there's so many things you didn't catch before and it's one of those things and like it sounds it might sound kind of silly but I feel like I do notice new things and uh 
learn for back, lack of a better term or for lack of a better term I feel like I learn new things every time I watch this movie um, and I mean we could go on and on about the acting and the writing and the soundtrack and all that like that kind of goes without saying but this is a cool one because I was so young when I saw it and I was able to continue to appreciate it through the years so um yes um i feel really i feel really bad i'm about to ask you this i'm gonna ask you this but i was typing when you said the title and and i was like and i'm like what movie is he talking about say something that makes me go oh yeah i know what he's talking about and you didn't say anything hyper specific so that's what i thought you were talking about and i'm literally like i was typing like because I always keep our lists, and I'm typing Lord of the Rings, Return of the King as you're saying stuff, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, Which is great, because I can piggyback off, because I actually, I match you on this one. Um, oh, cool. Uh, no, this, and this is the movie that beat Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing, and it's just kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's the, I know why Shawshank Redemption lost. This movie is, it's just so timeless, and um, the, uh, it, it's so timeless in the sense of, like, you do learn stuff every time you watch it, and it's the way it looked at American culture. It's the way it looked at the lives that we live, and um, the, even, like, the little pop culture reference. Is that how the smiley face was created? I don't know, but it was a funny little gag just because. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, like yeah. there's and then the soundtrack on its own, but it was the story of what it was telling. Like, I don't know if you could do a modern-day Forrest Gump right now. Um, I, it's just like, if they were to try and like, this would be a really interesting time to do it or like, you know, 20 years from now, look back and try and do a Forrest Gump to discuss what happened in 2020. But, um, I, I'd say, you I'd know. say give it, uh, give it 20 years. I feel like, <laughs> right. I almost feel like the time I live is so much more boring than the sixties and seventies and like all that. And so like, I feel like. Give it another 20 years and then let's see our version of Forrest Gump, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just, it's such, God, the movie's fantastic. And Tom, like, yeah, we could go on and on about writing and directing and acting and all that stuff, but Tom Hanks, like, his performance in this movie is, like, unparalleled to anything yeah. else. It's it's just unbelievable what they did with this movie. Um, And, yeah, it gets you in the feels every time you watch it. No, yeah. this is this very well could be one of those Citizen Kane movies like I was talking about with Shawshank. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I do, I do like that you pointed out that uh, smiley face shirt gag in the movie because I think that's... I, I forget about that, like parts like that, but the thing is, like, this is a time when you could still have gags like that in movies. And sometimes I feel like movies and just art in general um right now kind of take themselves too seriously in a lot of ways so i do like you know why don't we bring a gag into movies every once in a while i know most people think they're like kind of corny but i for one appreciate it so just a little sidebar there but yeah um, and i guess that would unless you have more to say i guess that would go back to me uh it would go back to you okay cool so my next pick on my list is The Shape of Water. Ooh, um, okay. We did not match so, on this one. Yes. So, I've been, like, a big uh, Guillermo del Toro fan for a long time. Um, especially, like, I mean, my favorite movies of his are probably <clears throat> both the Hellboy movies and Pan's Labyrinth. And uh, Oh, man, I Pan's Labyrinth like, is I, so good. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's fine. Like, I feel like I hold Pan's Labyrinth on such a, 
in such high regard as just like a really cool like fantasy art house like horror movie sort of thing and like Hellboy 2 I feel like is almost like this perfect superhero movie that or super adventure movie too that just like nobody I guess I, I, I feel like it never got as much love as it deserved and I feel like since those movies came out, I was waiting for, like, another Guillermo del Toro masterpiece, and I know he released stuff like, uh, I think it's Don't Be Afraid of the Dark or something like that, which that movie I was kind of disappointed with, and I hadn't, like, seen another movie that he directed that I got really, really, like, inspired by or enjoyed to the same extent until this movie Shape of Water came out, which obviously won Best Picture. It's a great movie, um... This movie is, uh, I, I love that it's a monster movie, and I love that it's, it could be a sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, it really could be hey, I'm, like, an unofficial I'm, sequel to that movie. What were you saying? I was just, I was just gonna say, absolutely, I totally agree with that statement. Yeah, like, like, it's, it's one of those things, like, you couldn't, you can't argue that, like, it could be a sequel to that movie, and I feel like this movie gets a lot of, uh, gets kind of a lot of flack for being the uh, the movie where the lady has sex with a fish. <laughs> like, I feel like yeah. that's that's been, like, thrown around so much. But I feel like at the core of this movie, there's a love story, and it's a tragic love story. And I feel like if you look further than the surface of, like, this being a weird interspecies relationship, I feel like there's a lot uh, of relatable things there, like this woman's loneliness and like how she finds a kinship with this, uh, animal at this weird, uh, I can't remember if it was a lab or where exactly she was working as the cleaning lady for, but I feel like there is a really, um, there is a really relatable, um, romantic story there, um, that I really enjoyed as well. Um, in the past I've said district nine is one of the most romantic things I've ever, or movies I've ever seen, ever seen. So yeah. if you can tell something like I enjoy a good romantic monster movie, monster movie. And, uh, this definitely fits <laughs> that uh, mold as well. <laughs> I right. don't know if you have any thoughts on shape of water at all or, uh, no, like everything you said, like it's, it's, it's an interesting love story to watch. It's kind of like, it's kind of like watching King Kong and realizing that King Kong is actually a love story. It's the same kind of, concept yeah. in that aspect um so yeah yeah absolutely yeah all right um well all that brings me to my next one which is casablanca have you okay. seen have you seen awesome. have you seen this yes yes okay because yes. i've seen a lot of all i realized i was surprised at how many older movies i've seen um in terms of the list um yeah i won't say i've, I've seen a ton but yeah i've definitely seen casablanca <laughs> okay um i have always been a fan of this movie like always been a fan of this movie and actually um i don't know have you seen did you see the modern uh cut of so it's basically a modern trailer for the empire strikes back no i don't okay because movie trailers back in the day were not good um yeah if you try and go back and look at some old school movie trailers they're rough um and you're like how did anyone (laughs) think to themselves i'm gonna go see that movie um, so someone cut together a, from current, from footage of the movie using like kind of current editing techniques, made a modern cut for the Empire Strikes Back trailer. So they basically made the Empire Strikes Back trailer, but new. Um, and it's really, really good. Like I was, I was really shocked. It was like, I'd never seen the movie before. 
Yeah, um, I mean, the you gotta go. You gotta go look that up. You gotta. That? You have to go. You have to go look it up. It's really great. Um, <laughs> but when I found it and I was watching it, someone made a modern cut of Casablanca. So they made a trail, a modern trailer for Casablanca, which it was awesome. Um, and it really like, and it took some of the, I don't want to say, I never was confused with the story, but it puts some of the story stuff about Rick up front in the trailer. And you're like, oh wait, who is this guy? Like, again, like I'd never seen the movie. Like, um, it's, but it's, it's one of those movies. I actually sat down and watched Casablanca over the winter. Um, I have the house to myself for like the bre- like a, a moment, and I'm like, you know what? I haven't watched this movie in a long time, so I, it was kind of like very early in the morning, and I just got up. No, everyone's sleeping, and I'm like, I'm gonna throw this in. It was a good watch. Um, I just hadn't seen it in a really long time, but it's a really, really good movie. Um, it, it because it's an older one, because it's black and white. I know it's gonna be hard for me to say everyone needs to go see this uh, <laughs> because people just, you know, I understand. Um, but no, that's this is one of my all time favorites period um so yeah that's nice. why that's why i had to make my list but that's awesome um, it's almost like an indiana jones film without indiana jones because of like the nazis and everything going at like the way the movie plays out it's almost like the uh it's almost like a uh romantic indiana jones story yeah if that I makes mean, that, sense. that's a good way to put it and that's kind of cool how um the Indiana Jones movies really intricate, um, intricately like play between kind of like between the scenes of World War Two, where you know like all the stuff is going on and they kind of build this adventure that's going on kind of in between events and kind of the same with Casablanca, you know, it's just kind of like this slice of life of this one um, area of World War Two and how it affects like these specific characters. Um, like I said, I've seen this. I'd probably do for a rewatch because I think I watched this movie in high school. Like, one, I feel like once or twice, like I had different classes where we watched this, but I probably don't remember enough of it as I should. Um, I did want to comment on like old trailers because I do catch like I'll go back and like watch a trailer for an old like '80s movie on YouTube and stuff, and I think they're hilarious. Just the way they made trailers back in the day is completely different than now, (laughs) which is always like really enjoyable in my opinion. Like there's always this like really cheesy voiceover and stuff in a lot of the old ones. Um, But I do think that trailers nowadays do have their own sort of bad tropes to them. Like people are, I'm serious. Like people are going to look back on the 2010s and be like, why does there have to be like a cover song of a classic rock song in every single trailer that comes out? Oh my God! You know Think about I mean? try try to go back and watch any teen comedy from the early two thousands. Oh, that's yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting <laughs> concept. <laughs> like why? What were you thinking? Well, no, I was just I, you know when you said that it made me think of Riverdale, and I remember there was an episode of Riverdale very late in the season, so I know you're not there yet. Where there's a yeah. song that's on the radio right now that irritates the living crap out of me and then i'm watching riverdale and the song appears in riverdale and i'm like of course it does because (laughs) (laughs) because some exec said that's popular put it in the movie put it in the show um and you know that's how a lot of those songs get into um movies and it's did you see uh friends with benefits with justin timberlake and mila kunis no i actually there's that one and um uh, no strings attached. I, t- attached. I kind of avoided both of those. <laughs> okay. Just like the plague when they came out. Both of them are really good. 
Um, okay. Friends with Benefits is the funny one, and No Strings Attached is funny to a point, and then it's serious because it talks about the relationship stuff more than Friends with Benefits does. Friends with Benefits okay. is a straight comedy. Um, yeah, it does the relationships, but it's straight comedy. But there's a scene where Mila Kunis loves this romantic comedy movie, and they watch it together as friends, and he points out at the end of the movie, he's like, man, and here's the song that plays that has no relevance at all, but it makes you feel good because you just watched a feel-good movie. <laughs> like, And he points it out as a joke, and then at the end of Friends with Benefits, they play one of those songs. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and it, it's, it's the same thing with, like, uh, uh, Kissed by a Rose and uh, Batman Forever. And yeah. Like, that. <laughs> like the same issue, but yeah. it does it doesn't mean that it's a bad song or whatever. Right. Um, I, I did want to bring Big it back tangent. To, uh, Holy crap. But go ahead. <laughs> no, it's all good. I did want to bring it back to... Uh, I had a funny little... Uh, this is like about a week ago this happened, but I had a funny little like Ca- Casablanca-related incident where I was playing a trivia game. I can't remember if it was Trivial Pursuit or if it was something else, but it was one of those like... You know, everybody's Zooming with their friends or they're doing Skype, you know, game nights and stuff like yeah. that right now. And I did it. I was doing a trivia game with some friends. And uh, one of the questions was, what country was Casablanca or is Casablanca located in? And, and one of my friends uh, was like, I have no idea. And I was really trying to give him some like, well, just think of the movie. <laughs> and then she was like, I've never seen the movie. And I was like, all right, you're hopeless. <laughs> Well, so. right, but Casablanca is a place. Like, yes. <laughs> like yeah. there's a geography thing to it. Like, well, 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 it was it was this thing where it was like, if you've seen the movie, you would know where it is. But if you've yeah, taken that's... geography in school, you should know where oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> I, I, okay, I get what you're saying. Now, <laughs> um, the uh, I I did get I've made one Casablanca reference in my life, like a legit reference. Uh, someone I don't remember. I was with a bunch of friends. It was back in college. Someone made a comment about some bar they wanted to go to, and someone's like, I've never been there. How is it? And I was like, did you ever see Casablanca? And they said, yeah. And I go, it's like Rick's Diner without the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. It's the, only, it's the only time I've ever gotten a chance to like make a reference like that. Um, did, did you make that up? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's... I mean, that's a joke. You, that would be good and like uh, to use for a movie script or like maybe one of your plays. or Like, that's a pretty good line. Right. I like that one. Yeah, and it was just kind of off the top of my head. It got a laugh, but... <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it go, I'm sh- throwing it back to you because we got on a major tangent about songs and teen comedies. What? <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, okay, so my next pick is the movie Argo. Um, this is one that we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Dude, 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 we matched on, we matched on this one too. Okay, sweet. I know we've talked about this movie before. I don't know if I remember which list, but this movie is, um, I think it's really well done, but I think it's like at the core of the movie, you have this super interesting true story and there's so many, there's so many levels to the story where there's the story of the hostages and then the story of the people in America trying to get the hostages back and kind of their really crazy strategy to. And uh, from, like, the super intense political stuff going on to the really crazy plot that's uh, really interestingly related to the entertainment <laughs> or related to, like, Hollywood and, like, the American film industry, like, 
I love the way this whole movie plays out. And like, like I said, it's a true story. So it's just super interesting. It's a story that I don't know if I've ever would have been aware of or even enjoyed without having seen this movie. Um, and like the one thing I've said in the past, the one complaint I have about this movie is there's no complaints. This movie's awesome. <laughs> there, there's, I do have one complaint and it, it's a very small thing, but it's when they finally rescue the hostages and they're bringing them back home and they uh, are going through the airport in Iran and they're boarding the plane and coming back home. The whole time they're being um, chased by the villains. And when I was watching it, I was like, I bet it didn't play out like this. <laughs> like I bet oh. it was one of those things where the villains were like right on their heels the whole time. And even when the plane's going down the runway, like they're chasing them in a car and stuff. I'm like, I bet it wasn't that dramatic. Oh, well, this movie's awesome. No worries about any of that. That's just kind of my one issue with the movie. But I see what um, you're saying. The uh, the scene yeah. at the airport in customs at the end, when they're actually going through customs at the end, is probably one of the most intense pieces yeah. of film work ever. Like, oh, no, my no, it definitely God. Is intense, um, yeah, that was intense stuff. But the idea, like, how that movie was put together, or how about this? Not the movie Argo that I watched, but the movie that they have to make to go rescue the hostage. Like, the idea of putting how that got put together was just awesome. Like, it was just a really cool, unique story. Um, yes. It is a true story, but it's just a really unique story. And um, the Hollywood side of it and seeing, like, this, they're going to make a fake movie to pose as a news crew to go rescue these hot Like, it's just, it was really good. And Affleck deserved all the praise on that that he got, so... Absolutely. And um, just since we're on a nerdy podcast, like this is a story like if any of our listen listeners haven't seen this movie, like go watch it now. But this is a story that is related to comic book, uh, the comic book in- industry as well, because this fictitious movie that they said they were making so they could go to Iran to rescue these hostages. All of the concept art for this movie was done like it was actually done by uh, Jack Kirby. And uh, that's kind of like, they don't talk about it in the movie. They kind of show it more than they talk about it. And uh, there's an actor, um, I can't remember his name, but he's a great actor who actually makes an appearance. And he's Jack Kirby um, in the movie. And it's kind of just a cameo, but kind of a really cool thing. just from a uh, comic book fan level too. So, Yes. Um, <laughs> no, yes, because it's... Well, I, there was a pause because I was I was going to tangent into the uh, stuff where they were like the casting because Argo yes. was was it was going to be a sci-fi movie. So yes, you're getting all yep. that you know concept art has to be done, but they have to do casting and costuming and all this stuff. So it all had to be put together that way. Um, and you could tell it was uh, this was like at the time period when everybody was kind of trying to ape Star Wars style, or at least that's what they kind of portrayed in the movie. You know, like you had like these sort of generic versions of like c-3po and like some of the costumes kind of looked like rip-off star wars characters which i think that's like kind of a fascinating uh kind of moment in in movie history as well yes um yeah and i and it's funny because you know we we drop a swear word every now and then but there's one word that i just don't want to because it makes me have to put explicit tags on our uh um it makes me have to put explicit tags on our uh, episodes, and that just makes it that's that's a really difficult thing to mess with. Um, so, but I so I wish I could say the Argo catchphrase because it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts about it. Um, Absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, um, since we matched, this throws back to you, dude. Okay. And I have a feeling uh, we're matching, and I have a feeling you and I are matching on one more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I want to, you know what, I'll do the one that I know we're not going to match on, because <laughs> I actually have Lord of the Rings Return of, of the King oh. on my list as well. Um, I've talked in the past about, um, I had like such a cool experience seeing this movie in theaters because at the time in my life when this came out, um, and I went to see it in theaters and having been somebody who didn't read the Lord of the Rings sitting in that theaters while they're watching like Sam and Frodo and, uh, Gollum battle, like, like fight each other at the top of Mount Doom over, who's going to throw the ring in, what's going to happen, is one of them going to fall in as well. That whole scene, like, I was so on the edge of my seat for. And at the time in my life when I saw this movie, it was the most intense thing I had ever seen. And it's one of those things that I feel like at my age now, I'm so jaded in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know. It's hard for me to find another movie that actually has made me feel that sensation of it being that intense, you know. But I was, like, nearly, you know, blocking my eyes at certain parts because it was just that intense to me. Um, with all that being said, this is the ending of, like, an amazing trilogy. Um, I think these movies are really well-crafted. I think as time goes on, you watch them and you notice little flaws here and there. But I think... This movie definitely deserved uh, Best Picture, and it definitely deserves uh, respect for being one of the best adaptations, uh, movie adaptations that are out there. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add. I know we've talked about Lord of the Rings before, Drew, but I, when I don't know if you have any thoughts. <laughs> well, we talked about it earlier, so I don't really want to add too much, but what, what yeah. you said made me think of a scene in Parks and Rec when Lord of the Rings got brought up. And Adam Scott's character goes, I really didn't like Peter Jackson's um, um, cinematic vision. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, like I wasn't a big fan of Peter Jackson's cinematic vision. Like it was just a funny line. Um, yeah, but, no. But it is, a, it is a difference there too because some people read the books and they had like, you know, they had like kind of a connection to how they imagined everything. And then you're seeing how somebody else imagines it. And of course there's going to be conflict there, but... Like I said, for me, like I hadn't read the books at that point, and it was just like so intense. Like it was, I thought it was like so cool when I actually saw that movie. So yeah. Um. All right. So I have a feeling I know what movie we matched on. So I'll just save it because we'll talk about it at the end. So the movie, <laughs> the movie, I'm pretty sure that we didn't match on. Um, for me, was The Hurt Locker. Yeah, uh, we've talked about this. I've never seen it. Oh, dude. <laughs> Oh my God! You need this is this is one that I'm gonna almost beg you to see. This is the movie. So this is the movie that beat out Avatar for Best Picture. Um, yeah. And the so the funny story, James Cameron, who directed Avatar, um, was married to Catherine Bigelow, who directed Hurt Locker. Post di oh, that's awesome. Post divorce, they're both up for the award of Best Director. In the same year, they're both both up for the award of uh, Best Picture. Catherine Bigelow wins Best Director for Hurt Locker, and then Best Picture hits, and Catherine Bigelow wins Best Picture for Hurt Locker. <laughs> so um, she's also the first female director to win Best Director. Um, first and only, I think. Yeah, first and only director to win Best Director, um, female director. 
Um, the Hurt Locker, this is one of the most intense military movies I've ever seen. It's modern day, um, and it's it really, I mean, it depicts life, the life of a soldier, like in, in a way that I don't know if any of the other movies really have depicted. Um, uh-huh. And there's this one, the movie overall is amazing. The opening of the movie is like ungodly intense, um, but... The end. There's an end sequence to this movie that just had my wheels spinning, and it's probably one of my favorite shots of the film, and it's really subtle. Um, Jeremy Renner plays the main soldier, and um, you hear that he's got a wife and kids back home, but you don't really like. The, most of the movie takes place overseas. Um, he gets he gets to go home on leave. Um, at one point in the movie, and he keeps asking for these rotations, so he keeps asking for extensions to stay, um, probably because he's just so into it, but he keeps asking for these extensions to stay, and eventually they're like, no, you gotta go home, man, you need a break, so he goes home to see his family, and there's a scene where he's in a grocery store uh, with his wife and daughter, and they get up to the register, and she goes, oh shoot, I forgot the cereal, and he's like, I'll just run back and get it real quick, you just start ringing, and he wanders in the cereal aisle, and he stops in the middle of the cereal aisle, and it's just this long wall of cereals just lined up, and he's staring at it by himself, just in this aisle. It's all him, just by himself, and the shot is just down the aisle shot of him looking at it, and he looks around, and he's got this look on his face like, what the hell am I doing? And then the scene cuts, and the very next shot is him uh, getting off the plane for his next uh, tour. Um, it's, it's literally one of the, like, most powerful, like, it's like he doesn't feel at, he doesn't feel at home anymore at home. Like, he feels more at home on the battlefield. But it's one of the, but it's one of the coolest, like, beautiful moments in the movie, in my opinion. Um, it really, like, that, that scene, like, really sat with me after I watched the movie. Um, and it's one of those best pick, it's one of those movies that I had to get my hands on, too, so. Nice. I, um, this is one that I definitely need to watch i think and it's one of those as soon as i find it as soon as i get the chance i think i'm gonna watch it i um i actually don't watch a lot of um sort of like modern warfare movies i don't know why i it's one of those genres that i just never have delved super deep into and i think that's why i didn't watch this one but um, okay yeah it all sounds awesome i think i really need to watch this um one thing, one funny thought I had, which this has absolutely nothing to do with the Hurt Locker, like, not really, but uh, your whole story about, like, James Cameron and Kathleen, uh, Catherine Bigelow, like, at the Oscars that year, I feel like that could make, like, a really awesome uh, anime, <laughs> like, about, like, <laughs> this, like, divorced or, like, broken up couple that's now, like, rivals in films, and if, like, anybody listening has, like, watched more, like, kind of subtle battle anime like Bakuman or like Death Note where it's more about the battle of wits I feel like that's I could totally picture that it's kind of funny to hear like you're talking about like the American film awards the Oscars but I'm just like man this would make a really cool anime scene (laughs) (laughs) sure or like a Scott Pilgrim versus the world kind of a thing (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah no it was just a really cool moment and like James Cameron when she won her best director he seemed so happy for her, like genuine, oh, like awesome. genuine, like excitement that she won. Like, absolutely, you deserve this, uh, hands down. There's no question, kind of thing. He just seemed so excited that she won. And then when she won Best Picture, same thing. He was like, "This is absolutely, you know what I mean." So, um, yeah. All right. 
Um, I mean, that's great. And, like, James Cameron was probably pumped because he just made Avatar, you know? I know. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be happy if he right. just made that? So. Right. Um, all right, man. Uh, what's your last pick? Because this is the one I think we're um, yeah, um, matching so on. Yeah, my last pick, I went with the Braveheart. Oh, then we didn't match. So okay. Didn't match no, we didn't. We did not match. Oh, wow, okay. Um, I thought you were going to say That's something completely different. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, this movie, it's um, it's hard to know where to begin because it's such a great movie, and I feel like it gets referenced a ton and stuff like that. But this is a movie that, on paper, I feel like most people wouldn't necessarily um, be able to relate to, you know, like not necessarily people would necessarily have these, uh, would feel like they would relate to a movie about William Wallace. I hope I'm getting that name right. And like yep. him, like fighting for Scotland's freedom. And I feel like the thing is this movie, you watch it and it's super relatable and you totally um, get caught up in like uh just just the, their fight for independence and like it's such a powerful film and it's one of those things that it's i mean it's kind of dumb to say because it's so obvious but it's left such a uh, mark on pop culture and it's kind of cool that um i don't know if you didn't study like like kind of went through and like studied like the history of the uk like in detail i don't know if a lot of people would know this story, but this is a movie that brings this amazing story, like brought it to a huge group of people. Um, I love this movie. It's really hard to watch without crying. Um, this is one of the few ones I know in the past I've said, I don't cry a lot at movies. This is one of the ones where it's very hard not to. Um, it's a very tragic story, but it's very powerful too. And I feel like, uh, one of my favorite parts of this movie is, um, and I'm trying to say it without like any spoilers, but it's one of those movies where, because of how tragic it is, it kind of um, helps portray um, that, like, it portrays the value of being part of something that's bigger than just yourself, you know? Like, I feel like, especially in modern times, a lot of people kind of view things as, like, you know, they're very consumed with their online popularity or, you know, what they have to get going and uh, kind of have this, like, me-against-the-world mindset. And this is a movie that kind of shows how it's actually, like kind of uh it can be very powerful to like be part of something more than yourself i guess and uh i can leave it at that i know i'm not like portraying or saying these things probably to the best of my ability but yeah i don't know if you have any thoughts on braveheart no. uh, like i said this is a uh, one where it's kind of hard to know where to start <laughs> sort of thing no you're you've got a huge point on the history stuff and it, it braveheart um i i haven't watched it in a really long time and i think braveheart hasn't aged with me well enough because there's a lot of pop culture jokes uh surrounded around certain aspects of the movie um so and because it it got a lot of hype and stuff um but the battle sequences in this movie are incredible and it showed and that and this is a movie that really showed people how to do battle sequences in a way that i don't think have ever been done before this movie um and like now you watch like uh, game of thrones or lord of the rings and you see those battle sequences and but it i feel like it kind of originated with braveheart um but the movie as a whole is just a wonderful story um and it was just so well put together and crafted so um yeah yeah and it just yeah so i don't uh, i don't have too much to add that you didn't already say yeah um this is another one um (laughs) just thinking about this kind of like uh 
since the movie is like there's like that tragic aspect aspect to it this is kind of a funny note that i can put out there but i remember when this movie came out i was way too young to see it just because of the levels of violence that are in the movie and uh it was one of those things where i wanted like so badly to see this movie and it became almost this bucket list thing and i know like uh Myself, uh, my younger brother, maybe a couple of our friends, like, had the same mindset. We're like, oh, we can't watch Braveheart yet, but once we're old enough, we have to watch Braveheart. And it became this sort of thing, like, like, we knew Braveheart was the coolest movie ever. We just had to find a way to watch it. And I kind of, uh, I don't know, sometimes I like that sort of uh, childhood, uh, because of your childhood restrictions, kind of, kind of like this weird lore that's built up around, like, you know, my first mission when I'm old enough is watch Braveheart, sort of. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and it's it's nice and bloody and violent. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what else I would say on Braveheart. I I also I also haven't seen it in a really long time. So. Right. Yeah, and I think I think the reason I haven't seen it in a while is just because of the pop culture jokes. Like every time I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch Braveheart right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, you can get too much. Uh... James Horner's score. Kind of, what's that? James Horner's score, by the way, is amazing. Yeah. Like it's fantastic. Um, but speaking of James Horner, James Horner, that rolls me into my pick. Okay. Um, which is Titanic. Oh, okay. I'm, this is what I thought we were gonna match on. So. I actually, yeah. For some reason, I didn't think this would make your list. Um, oh. This is one of the few that almost made my honorable mentions, though. But uh, keep going. Oh no! I just this is a this is a historical one. This is a historical one. Two. This is um, the movie is amazing. Like this is one of those things where like, and I've heard stories about James Cameron where he has said that his pitch for the movie was, "I want to tell Romeo and Juliet on this boat." Um. And that was his pitch to the studio. Like, I want to tell the Romeo and Juliet story, but I want to do it on this ship. And everyone went, okay, go ahead and do that. Um, (laughs) But the the crafting from having to... They basically had to rebuild sections of the ship. And the attention to detail in terms of story and, like... Not story, but in terms of history. um, And putting together the, uh, like, the sinking of the ship at the end. And putting, like, putting... Orchestrating that. Putting that all together and building the sets for it. Building the, like... Because some of it was shot, some of it was shot soundstage, so they had to do the water. They actually had to build basically giant pools and then build the set around. Like you know what I mean? Like they had to really. If you watch the making of the movie, I think your mind's gonna be blown in terms of how they had to do some of those things. Um, and then he crafted a really great, touching, romantic story, like throughout the whole thing. Like he literally told like one of the probably one of the coolest love stories of our times. Um, you know that, and everyone is still given DiCaprio crap about the 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 door in the ocean. Um, and um, <laughs> Brad Pitt made a joke about that when he accepted his Oscar. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. This year, this year's Oscars. Um, but that's, but the movie, like, yeah, it's got the song that we're all like, oh my god, this stupid song, uh, my heart will go on. But the score is great. Uh, the cast is great. The way they told the story, starting with present day, like hunting for the jewel in the like wreckage of the Titanic and then getting to go back as a flashback and tell the story again. It was just, it was just kind of like an incredible way of putting it all together. It was just such a well-crafted story. Um, 
I don't know what else you'd say. And I've actually watched yeah. it a couple times recently. It's been on TV, and then I threw in my Blu-ray once just to watch it, just because I would like. I'm like, I don't want commercials in this, and like do it to the full rewatch of the movie. But yeah, um, I have a couple like thoughts about Titanic. So first of all, like the thing about Titanic, um, that kind of goes without saying if you were there, but when this movie came out, like everyone saw it, and I don't mean like. Like, it's hard to grasp that, but, like, I don't know one person who didn't see it in theaters. I'm like, <laughs> like, this was a PG-13 movie, and I feel like I was, like, 11 or 12. Like, I was, I was too young to see it, but my parents brought me to see it in the theaters. And it was just one of those things, like, it got so much hype and blew so many people's minds because it is such a well-crafted story, but that it also has that historical accuracy as like how the sets were meticulously built based off the ship's blueprints and uh the special effects and how they made it look like you were actually there for the sinking of the titanic like it was so amazing and such a pop culture phenomenon and i'm i feel like i feel like there might have been a movie within the last couple years that had the same level of like everybody seeing the first thing that's coming to my mind is endgame but i still feel like more people went to see Titanic than Endgame, and maybe that's, uh, maybe I have tunnel vision on saying that or something, but it just, it was such a big thing, and I feel like if you weren't there for that, you might not realize that. Um, related to the door um, at the end of the movie, um, James Cameron actually uh, has said that they spent time finding a specific size door that only one of the characters could fit on. Like, they actually spent time figuring out, okay, if the door's a little bigger, they're both going to be able to float on it, but if it's a little bit smaller, like, one person won't. So they actually, you can say, like, Jack could have fit on the door, but you have the director saying, like, no, he actually physically couldn't have, like, we made sure of that. So I think that's, like kind of funny too like kind of a good thing to throw in the face of the naysayers about that scene um well my thing about that scene is if rose and jack would have taken turns then they probably both would have survived um they also both might have died they they could have i'm just saying like if they would (laughs) have if they would have taken turns like okay you've been on the board door for 10 minutes we need to switch (laughs) yeah Um, just taking turns. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd be kind of interested in that. I feel like that's yeah, that's I, the I one that's know. made me wonder because I'm like, if they don't, if they both don't fit on the door, that's fine. But if they if they would have just taken turns, would they have made it? <laughs> right. Because um, her clothes were soaked. Her clothes were soaked going in, um, yeah. or getting onto the door. So she was already freezing. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean. Yeah. Um. Oh, that, well, there is a... Kind and it would have kept and it would have kept their bodies moving, so... Yeah, that's true, too. Um, there is a really interesting theory about Titanic, though. Have you ever heard of the... And I know I don't think you're the biggest fan theory kind of guy, but have you heard the one that Jack isn't real, doesn't really exist? That Jack's like a uh, figment of Rose's imagination? Uh, yes. Okay, so um, that... I don't, I don't buy it, but that's fine. <laughs> I don't... Who who drew the painting? <laughs> right. Um, no, that 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 is <laughs> that, that is an interesting <laughs> point. That's maybe the one point you could argue against it. Um, I don't necessarily buy into that as well, but I do think it's a very interesting 
concept to think about. Like, I, I, I do kind of go back and forth with that one, and it, it is a, a lot related to um, the whole door thing, too. Like, maybe Jack wasn't on the door because he had to die at that point. Um, so I think that's just an interesting thing to think about. I don't necessarily buy it as being true. Um, but yeah, th- this is a really good movie. It's one that I loved when I first saw, but going back and rewatching it, I found like kind of a newer appreciation for it as well. Um, this one almost made my honorable mentions too. So, um, yeah, so Titanic, um, that was my final, <laughs> that was my final pick. Um, I just, I just, I just really like it. it it's the, I don't know. I don't think it would, I say it's my favorite of the best pictures, but it's definitely up there. So, yeah. Um, and, nice. and it's a well-deserved best picture win too. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to throw this back to you, dude. It's your pick. Yes. For next week. <clears throat> um, so that, so next week will be episode 96. Think about how close we are to 100. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yep. So going from the, artistic and prestigious and amazing best of the best pictures i thought it would be fun to talk about our top five pets from pop culture that you would like to own (laughs) (laughs) i honestly thought you were going to say the worst and then i'd have to look up the list of razzies and pick my five that would be that would have been a good that's that's honestly thought that's honestly what i thought you were going to say um Maybe no, I, uh, I just thought it was funny that we went from like best picture to like kind of a silly list, but I thought it I thought it'd be just funny to go through different animal characters, whether they're real or not real species. Okay, and talk so about who we'd want I'm, to have as a pet. So I'm looking at animal characters from pop culture that I want as a pet, and does it yes. have to be? Does it have to be movies or going to be from anywhere? I yeah, anywhere, anything goes. Okay. Hmm. The, the one. The one. Is like, I feel like the character can't be humanoid. Like, uh, like, like I don't want you to be like, oh, well, I really want to date Lilu from Futurama, so I'm gonna have her as my pet, sort of thing, or something like that. So, oh, I, I, the limit. I thought you were gonna say, uh, like, no Ewoks or, uh, or Babu Freak from Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> no, I would probably count them. I, I, I'm, I'm fine leaving it open. I just don't want it to be like, I want this character as my best friend or girlfriend. I feel like there actually has to be like sort of a ownership there, you know? Well, I mean, then an Ewok, I mean, an Ewok is kind of humanoid and Babu Frick is definitely human. Like in terms of what you're saying, like they're sentient beings that, you know, um, yes. like baby Yoda, like baby Yoda is a sentient being as long, as much as I'd want him to be a pet. He's still a kind of a person. Same thing with like Groot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, so, um, like baby Groot, same kind of a thing. So it, I feel like it's gotta be some kind of an animal. Like you want crypto, for example, would probably make your list. For example. Um, I yeah. agree with that. I don't want to limit it too much, but, uh, I do think Yoda definitely crosses the line, but I, I, I'm fine with kind of leaving it up to uh, judgment, you know. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this is this is a funny <clears throat> one. We might talk about some funny scenarios too, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, that's cool. Well, how about this? Um, we'll put that in the sidebar for next week. Um, yes. That'll be a this will be a weird list to discuss. Um, but for right now, if you guys could please check out our website at top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. 
Uh, you can interact with the show. Hit us up there. Hit us up on our uh, um, social media. That'd be great. Um, we are on Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. In those places, you can subscribe to us. And if you do, you won't miss a single episode. Um, you can also leave us a review, which um, we un- we love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say sound important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be trying to buy bootleg Oscars for my newest kit batch- bashing project. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, <laughs> All right, well, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening.